Sri Ramana was often emphatic in saying that meditation is a non-objective process. That means there's no object that we're focusing on in meditation. But it's also important that we emphasize that neither is meditation a subjective process. We are engaged in transcending the subject-object duality. That's the normal way that the ego mind functions. There is a world and there is a subject. And the word subject has important ramifications, political ramifications, if you will. This is part of the politics of consciousness. The subject means under the control of. Right? A subject of the king or the queen of England, for example, a political subject. One is subject to various influences. And the ego is, in fact, a subjectified or an objectified subject, or subjectified object, but it is subjected to the objective image of itself and of the world. So to escape those influences, we must transcend subjectivity as well as objectivity. This is the what is difficult for the ego mind to get its head around, if you will. It's a transcendence of its own way of perceiving reality. And it's only then, when consciousness encounters its own foundation that is prior to this state of duality, subject-object, and that is, in fact, the substratum, the foundation, the ground of the being of consciousness itself, that there is freedom, there's liberation. As long as the subject-object duality exists, there will be fear and there will be projection. The subject always projects its own rejected aspects out into the world because they are unbearable. And so therefore every subject hates its world. But its world is always part of its own self. It's its own repressed aspects, fantasies, signifiers, narratives that are projected as an objectified entity or world or other that is in fact part of what is really a whole But that whole cannot be reintegrated until one has transcended both halves of that whole. And so that state of transcendence is what is in the meditative tradition of India referred to as the Advaita state, non-duality. And non-duality is the definition of love. There's no real love in duality. But since love is all there is, love still functions in duality, but it functions in a perverted form. So I think someone asked in the study group, how could murder or hatred be love? But it is. And if you think about it, people join armies out of love, love for their country. Suicide bombers kill out of love for their idea of God or country or whatever else. It's always out of love, but it's love that is caught in duality that therefore projects hatred onto another that deserves to die out of love for what is good. And as long as there's that duality of good and evil, there will be war. And the reason why it's so difficult to eliminate war from the world 
is that wars are fought out of love, not out of hatred. And people think they're being good when they do that. And this is true even at the, not at the level of international conflicts, but even at the, the level of marriages, etc. It's out of love that one is going to divorce one's spouse to protect one's children, or whatever narratives, right, that the ego makes up that will put it in the p- position of being the good one who is acting lovingly. And it simply has to execute the other out of that love. And so it's only by transcending that duality that deceives itself in thinking it is acting from love that enables us to get clarity on how to act in the world from a position that transcends the duality of the ego. And only then will the politics of the world, at any level, whether it's the politics of a marriage or of a a nation-state or an international system, become clear and uncorrupted and capable of functioning and sustaining the world in which we live, rather than destroying it out of love. And so it's out of love that we must transcend the ego. It's that ultimate act of sacrifice, of that which the ego is holding on to, the treasure of its own illusory identity, an identity which is the cause of all the conflicts in the world, and only through the sacrifice of which the world can be released from the suffering in which we have inflicted upon it, out of a perverted sense of love that has become hatred. And so we undo this knot in which the world is caught by meditatively sacrificing the egoic identity back into the foundation, into the ocean of consciousness that is non-dual, that transcends first person, second person, third person of language. It transcends ideas of God, and it also transcends ideas of atheism. It transcends all ideas because ideas, being linguistic forms, are caught in duality. And the only way out is through entering into the silence of pure presence. And that silence, because it is always centered in the now, in the present, is eternal and is eternally liberated from the duality that keeps us enchained and entrained into a process of time, space, determinism, rather than the freedom that is our true being. And so it is this quantum leap into the foundation. You could say the wave before it became the particle of an ego, the primal quantum wave that actually is the entire cosmos and beyond, not simply an individual particle within a world trying to function and dominate and achieve something, possess something that will give it security, etc. All of those things come from the particleization of the wave. And so by returning to that original quantum state before it collapsed into an ego, we are free. And we free all of the beings, the illusory beings in the universe, by the act of our own liberation. The quantum wave, because of quantum entanglement, affects and influences every other being 
and creates an opportunity for freedom that was not there. So it is not simply an individual liberation. So many people think, oh, well, it's selfish if I liberate myself. But no, it is the greatest act of generosity because you're liberating your projections on all other beings at the same time as you are liberating the world from the burden of having your own ego in it. And so this act of liberation in meditation, once it becomes permanent in the time-space flux as well as eternal, brings in a portal, is a portal that brings in the radiance of the eternal spirit into this world. And that's all we really are, is that portal. We are not an entity, we're not a thing, we have no positive content. We are nothingness, and yet a nothingness that is the container and the vehicle of the fullness of the divine love that has been blocked from flowing into this world by the very ego that we thought we were. And so this sacrifice is the ascension off of the crucifix of the cross of time and space and and egoic desire and fear in which everyone is caught. And it allows the ascension and the purification and the reestablishment of a world of love, of peace, of harmony, of joy. And it enables us to live joyously again, not with fear, no no longer with any phobias or crippling inhibitions or need for exhibitions, because there is no ego that's caught in that trap of either being superior or inferior, having or not having, being or not being. All of those dilemmas that can never be solved through any action that we can perform in the world until we have transcended the world and return as the avataric vehicle of the Supreme Presence. <laughs>